On this episode of AV Week, Commercial Integrator is co-locating a Pro AV show with Cedia Expo in 2023. What can we in the commercial industry learn from the residential market and DEI in AV? All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 Is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 580, recorded Friday, September 30th, 2022. Blurred Lines. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron and by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have got this week, first and foremost, Amala Reddy from Commercial Integrator. Welcome, madam. Hi. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also with us is Mr. Paul Dexter uh, from JetBuilt. Welcome, welcome, sir. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me back. Huge pleasure. And a young man I got to meet uh, through mutual friend uh, Charmaine Torella. His name is Fernando Mora. And Fernando works at the, at the 9-11 Museum. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Um, Fernando, fantastic to, to actually finally have you on. Um, thank you to Charmaine for connecting us. Um, Fernando does some really, really interesting things and, and obviously at a very um, unique and special uh, place there in New York City. So glad to have you on. Thanks for having me on. I've been a long-time listener. So good to be finally be on. Absolutely, man. Uh, happy to have you. Um, so as the old joke goes, uh, I just flew in from Dallas and boy, are my arms tired. Um, <laughs> quite literally, we're recording this on September 30th and I really did fly in this morning, uh, from Dallas. Uh, I got to see, uh, Amala's coworker, Mr. Farizi, uh, from Commercial Integrator. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but, uh, Cedia Expo 2022 happened this week in Dallas. Uh, a number of unique um, releases, 90% of them is going to, into somebody's home in some way, shape, or form. That is what CDA Expo is all about. However, uh, there are increasingly more and more uh, companies that serve both the residential industry and the commercial industry, commercial side of AV. In addition to that, a number of technologies have either started or gotten um, deeper uh, evolution uh, inside the home. Paul, I'm going to start with you. JetBuilt was there. You're one of the companies that was both at Infocom and at Cedia Expo. Um, what do you think we can learn? What do you think the pro side of the industry uh, and the customers of the pro side of the industry can learn from Cedia Expo and, um, and the, the releases there? Boy, yeah, I was hoping you're going to ask me last because I, I, uh, well, you were, I, I, you were the I, only one of us that have a booth at both, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but we serve two sets of customers, right? So we yeah. we serve commercial integrators, we serve uh, residential integrators, and, and and I and I do agree that 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 uh, there's some converging happening. There, there's clearly integrators, uh, a certain subset of our users that serve both sides. And, and and several small integrators and several large integrators serve both sides, um, but it's funny because uh, uh, you know I come from commercial AV uh, myself, and uh, uh, so I didn't start going to Cedia until JetBuilt, which serves both markets, yeah. and so 
I've always heard these stories of what one side thinks of the other. You know, there is a lot of, it's no different than a, an electrician who's a commercial or a residential, right? There's some, there's some friction, you know, the rules are different, the permits are different, and, and some people think one's better than the other. Uh, to me, it's just different batches of gear. It's fun stuff for the home versus stuff for work or stuff for like a fine arts theater or things like I used to work in. But your question of what can the commercial side learn from uh, the CDA, uh, uh, channel that one was just tricky for me. I, I uh, not to say there's not things to learn from that channel. It's just that um, I think, and I don't want to say anything uh, uh, to offend anybody, but it seems like the CDA channel, um, because it's a residential market that is less understood. There's less big companies in it. I don't mean the manufacturers, but the integrators that that they've followed a lot of the Infocom, the VIXA channel, right? They've, they've tried to model a lot of, of what the commercial companies do, which is not the fair model. It's apples to oranges, I've, I've felt. So that being said, there's clearly a lot to learn from, from the, 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 the CDA channel. It's just a tricky question that I was hoping I'd go last. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> what. I found we'll, a way to talk about it for a minute. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll bring Amala in and see uh, you know, what he, she has to say. Uh, and if she says something that 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 sparks your interest, we we'll, we'll bring you back in. Amala, same kind of question is is what um, Amala was not there. Dan Freezy from from CI was, um, but as as you've gotten more and more into the the industry, um, do you see any correlations? Do you see any any threads between the two? Yes, it's actually interesting. Um, I really haven't uh, been into CDA because I work for. Um, commercial integrator and uh, C Pro, which is the sister site that we have that handles um, CDA. So we have Jason Nod and Robert Archer and all those familiar names, um, you know, kind of heading CDA. And uh, I will admit, like, it's just been my first year. I'm still, I'm approaching the first year mark at commercial integrator. So I'm very new to the whole thing. Um, but it's interesting for me, I'm seeing the ties between commercial AV and residential AV, and I know as a consumer, and I'm not talking as a journalist here, I'm talking about myself as a consumer, how integrators are in approaching technology in residential homes, especially since the pandemic. I think um, the lines have really started blurring. Um, that's what I have noticed within between commercial and residential. And I'll admit the first time I join i had no idea what e either of the markets were um, but the more i'm learning about it the more i'm seeing that there is a correlation uh, especially i think in conference spaces you know people trying to set up home offices and that's where the question is right does commercial AV fit into the home offices i think um, in one of our supplements collaboration today and tomorrow we also discussed that a lot there are several articles pertaining to that so i have no answers i just have more questions here <laughs> all right you know i'm i'm also um from the commercial world so i'll kind of follow what what paul says um i spent my entire career in the uh, in the commercial space i've done some resi work I mean, first of all, I'd like to say I'm happy we're all back in person. That's one thing. Um, you know, I missed last year's Infocom, and I haven't been, I haven't been to Cedia, but I, I understand it is mostly residential. So I don't have a you know a ton to say about that. You know, I know that there are some 
commercial, some commercial integrators that would like to get into the resi space, the smaller ones, not the big ones. And some of the resi integrators also do commercial work. So there's some, some shops that have talents on both sides. So it's really difficult to say, well, you know, there's some manufacturers as well, such as Crestron, Extron, and, and others. You know, there's, I know some places that they've installed NVX in a house, which is, which is for us is like, wow, so that's, that's a quite a bit, even on boats or whatever. So um, they are integrators and, and manufacturers that, that do both. And for us, it's kind of a blurred line. So um, I've done, like I said, mostly commercial, but I've done a few homes. And to be honest with you, the ones that I personally have done, there wasn't, there's not a lot of difference. Um, you're, you're reporting to an owner for a home as opposed to maybe a consultant on the, the commercial side, a consultant, or maybe someone that works for the company. Um, we find in both cases a lot where you get a scope of work and probably a little more on the resi side where they'll use it totally different than what they initially say. So you say, okay, ma'am, Jenna, what, what would you like in this particular space? What would you want us to install? What do you envision as something that you would want? And they may not know as much as maybe on the commercial side where you have an, uh, an experienced consultant with, um, you know, scope of work and things like that that it's a little more, you know, laid out to say, okay, this is specifically what we want. And if that's not the case, and there's, such, there's something called a change order, which a lot of, you know, commercial integrators love to, to throw upon, you know, these places. But again, large homes, you might even have a consultant at that point. But um, those things are, for me, just a weird blurred line that there isn't, you know, a, a clear answer yeah. to say X, Y, or Z. There's something that occurred to me that I should have thought in my notes yesterday when I was thinking about this question and I thought I didn't have any, anything. As a commercial integrator for many years, uh, working only in commercial environments, uh, yeah, maybe the projects are more structured in terms of the bidding process and the organization, maybe a consultant and so forth. Okay, but, much more structured process, you're right. Yeah, right. But but I will say one thing I learned from, from the CDA channel, really big, because um, when I build a project for commercial AV, whether it's for fine arts or a house of worship or a corporate system, there's always a technical lead that is in charge of hiring me and always in charge of me basically training them how to use the system and they teach their people how to use it, right? And when something goes wrong, they generally know how to get it back online, fix it, uh, whatever, right? This technical lead. Um, then I did a couple of residential projects and I found out why my residential integrator friends uh, were so special. And that is because when they commission a project, it's for people who have no idea about the technical equipment, right? They don't know the first thing about any of these boxes. All they know is the remote, you know, and maybe a touch panel. But the point is, uh, and there was a story, you know, they're coming home late, probably some drinking. They lean against the touch panel, which puts into program mode, which changes the whole system, which, which, um, or like a button, you know, it, and uh, whole thing goes down, but there's no technical need to fix it. So I learned how to a little bit a little bit of a deal of i need to treat my my uh, uh commercial projects with that same sort of let's make everything as dummy proof as it can be and as foolproof as it can be which is something you always want to do but at the residential it needs to be done at a much higher level uh um because maybe they are dummies right if they you know if they're they're nothing but a, a a family living in a home they don't know anything about this stuff and so i was relying on my technical lead at these commercial facilities maybe too much. And that was one thing that I think is a good thing that all commercial integrators could learn from the, from the CDA channel, even though it's a little bit of a weird concept. Two things I would add to that. 
um, on the commercial side, typically small to medium, even most likely large organizations would have um, some sort of, like you mentioned, technical lead, AV techs on site that can actually go in and troubleshoot the situation where there's a homeowner. And a lot of these homeowners, the first thing they do is, you know, pick up the phone. So I would suspect that that would be a little bit for the resi side that they, they get a lot of, of service called a lot of truck rolls. Um, well, but they're prepared for it. They're built for it. This is what right, I'm yeah. saying. My resi, right. Well, my resi integrators were built for that type of, of, uh, of, of uh, situation. So what, another thing that I would mention is the, the UX programming by, by the programmer, right? Whereas you have someone who's not familiar, you really have to design the touch panel page so that they could understand it a little bit better than someone in a commercial space. Or maybe you have a tech and you have a tools page and the technician can get to any part of the system behind the passcode uh, pass or something like that, that they can actually get to and solve issues. Whereas, you know, most programs are not going to give a homeowner a tools page unless they're somewhat tech savvy. You tend to just lock it down as much as you possibly can. So that way you don't have to you know, either go over there or most likely. And then another thing is from the commercial space, you have, you have VPN and remote access that you can get to a room and, and, and fix a problem possibly from your phone at a ballpark. Whereas some homeowners may not, and again, not from the resi space. So I'm not sure how much space or how much access a homeowner would allow, you know, a, their integrator to get into their system and make changes. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's for me, one of the, the two big differences. I think another point I want to add, I'm, and I'm not too sure about it. So it's more of a question is how does the budget factor into the commercial AV and the residential AV? Because as homeowners, I know I'm not a homeowner yet. I'm too, <laughs> I'm still too young to have a home of my own. Point, point number three, exactly. But when you have homeowners, you have to take into consideration their budget and the way uh, commercial spaces are, that kind of budget is different. So how does that play into this whole space? The whole scope of money is totally different because if if you tell if you tell a uh, commercial you're gonna a commercial uh, part of a commercial installation, okay, we're gonna do a you know a complete NVX system. Well, that's going to be in the tens of thousands of dollars. Whereas someone at home, like, well, you know, I have so many other things to spend my money on in this home. AV is is up there, but it's not the most. They'd rather have a, a nicer kitchen, a nicer bathroom, an awesome closet, et cetera, et cetera. Where AV might be the husband's thing and not the wife's thing. And as we know, you know, it's the wife that dictates these things as opposed to the men. Um, yeah. Well, I do think that 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 disparity between low budget, high budget. I think it exists on both commercial and residential. You know, clearly, I, so many of my clients were churches with such tight budgets, similar to many homes, right? But then, and I never did an elite home, but we have you know on Jetbelt, a lot of our uh, of our Jetbelt community, they do these million dollar systems in a home. That means that house has got to be ten, fifty, a hundred million dollars to do a million dollar AV system. So, and then the same is true in commercial. There are also so the big budgets. I think that 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 range can 
is is kind of goes both ways. It could be big budget on both sides, but I think the the, the decision on a home residential is always going to be far more emotional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, spending the money for getting something you want is more emotional the way a, a person is going to buy a car or go on a vacation in a business. It's far more business structured, right? So they're not going to, yeah, they may need to, you know, if it's a if it's a baseball stadium, they want to outdo the other baseball stadium in the next city, so they'll get a little emotional to outdo them the way maybe Cowboys Stadium was done ten years ago or so, and now yeah, now SoFi had to outdo them, right? So there's some emotion, but largely the business side is more decisions, more bids, and more budget. So so let let's turn this corner a bit because we do have an extended version of this story that kind of ties into all of this. One of the things that was interesting, I mean, and, and everybody here kind of mentioned the fact that you've got Crestron, you've got Legrand, Paul, you guys were both, I, you were both at, at, at Infocom and, and Cedia Expo. Um, you also had Polly at Cedia Expo this year. Zoom had a presence, not a huge booth, but it was still a presence. And they were both in this, in the area where the IMCCA was talking about homework, talking about, you know, the, the, the home office. And then on Wednesday, my friends at Commercial Integrator threw me a curveball. Um, now, Amala is, is a fantastic reporter. She is not a spokesperson for, for Commercial Integrator. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, we're, we're going we're gonna to juggle some things here a bit. But, but from Commercial Integrator's website, uh, Commercial Integrator uh, is doing a, uh, they're doing a Commercial Integrator Expo and they're going to co-locate with Cedia Expo in 2023. From the article, quote unquote, Emerald owners of the Cedia Expo has announced the launch of the Commercial Integrator Expo that will co-locate with Cedia Expo 2023 in Denver next year. The event will bring together commercial AV products and education with the residential focus of Cedia Expo. Now, really quickly, just some housekeeping. Emerald Emerald owns the CD Expo. They also own Commercial Integrator, and they also own CE Pro. Okay, so that's where kind of this all comes together. But in in my head, it was a Pro AV show within CD Expo, right? An existing residential. It's a little bit like ISE, a little bit like Integrated Systems Europe, right? Where you've got you know both uh, both commercial and um, residential folks uh, as well. We did reach out to our, our friends at, uh, at Avixa just to get their two cents. Uh, quote from Mr. Lebuskets, uh, quote unquote, the growth and resilience of the AV industry are always going to make it attractive for, to for-profit companies looking to enhance their bottom line and shareholder value. We believe the role that Avixa and its trade shows have played in that growth and the unique understanding of the AV marketplace that our affinity with the industry gives us as a nonprofit association will continue to make Infocom the North American event of choice for our industry and the community it serves. So Paul, as somebody who has exhibited at both, it having does having a, a Pro-AV segment, a Pro-AV um, show alongside CD Expo, does that make you want to have two booths? Does that make you want to enhance your booth? Does this make sense? Uh, to somebody who who does you know spend money with both organizations? Yeah, well, it, it's a really really great question, and and I learned about this yesterday as you did, and I 
uh, and then you know my girl's in the in the next year's booth selection right now, and she's like, "Hey, well, can you be available?" I'm like, "Well, I can't be," but uh, she's like, "Should we get in the commercial thing?" You know, Jet Build is probably seventy five percent commercial, twenty five percent residential, and uh, in terms of our base, and so you know, being in that commercial area could be beneficial. But the but to me. It's a dilution, frankly. I'm not really a fan of this idea, only because there is uh, an Infocom. Uh, and you mentioned ISE, which is a great example. In Europe, it's a combined show, but it is truly a combined show. You know, it is a gargantuan show that's that's 100% commercial, 100% residential, and there's everything there. But there's only one show. There's not another show four months later that competes with either side, right, uh, on that kind of scale. So I feel this is, you know, they could toss in you know, consumer electronics, automotive, some gardening, and make it be a, you know, a, a bigger show. Uh, so frankly, I'm a little critical of it. I love both markets, but I think CDS value comes from the fact that it's the residential market and the companies that do both sides, they're gonna go to both shows. Uh, they're not gonna do the, you know, but that being said, that's my critical side. That being said, Heck, if I did both sides, this is great. I can also see some of my guys from my commercial uh, manufacturers and vendors. Maybe I can then avoid Infocom, which is a ridiculous notion. But but that's why this is this is confusing and bizarre to me. Uh, but you know, JetBuilt, we embrace it because there'll be a few more people that'll come that we can serve. So we like it as a, as a JetBuilt. But I just don't know for the the industry at large if the, how this is going to play out personally. Yeah. It'll, it'll attract a larger audience, and, you know, why not? I, I would venture to guess that there's a good percentage of those people at Cedia that also do commercial um, integration as well, as we just spent the first 10 minutes talking about. So um, I haven't been, so I can't really speak to that. I've been to Infocom a ton of times, and um, I know that that's it's more of a commercial, and Cedia is supposed to be the residential version of that. But... I, I wouldn't see a, a problem going going to both. Um, exhibiting at both might be a bit difficult since you guys do both. You might have to be at both. And I know how long those days can be for you guys. But for those of us that just like to, you know, show up there a little bit of a hangover from the night before, we would like to go to these things. That would be Fernando. <laughs> um, <laughs> really quickly, Amal, again, Amal is not a spokesperson. I am not going to ask her for an official line from, from our, our friends at, at Emerald. Um, but we did spend, as Fernando said, the first 10 minutes talking about this crossover. And the one thing I want to point out is, is there is this market, and I'm not smart enough to know who's going to capitalize on it. But it is the work from wherever market. Okay. And at least in the States, and I, I have been corrected a couple of times, um, there are parts of Europe that this is similar as well, where if you were a commercial integrator, um, no pun intended, Amala, if you're a commercial integrator, that's where you go, right? You go to the offices, you go to the big stadiums, you go to the higher education. You're not doing residential, right? And, and it, it is an active choice. If somebody calls you or if you have a client that says, hey, you've done a great job in my boardroom, would you do my house? The answer is without thinking, no, right? By and large. On the residential side, however, after 08, they had to find another line because the housing market just tanked, right? And so they started doing hospitality. They started doing restaurants. They started doing what you would consider the smaller jobs that the commercial folks just didn't have time for anymore, weren't interested, 
they were doing doctor's office, dentist's office, lawyer, you know, so, so these folks were, were already having these personal relationships and then they were branching out by necessity, right? Because there, nobody else was putting AV in, in 08 and 09. Um, Amala, does that, is there a, a moment, is there a, a thing here, is there a, a market here that some of us just aren't realizing where you've got these, this group of residential dealers who are, you know, baked into Cedia, the organization, that's their certification, but they are reaching out and they are needing more and more commercial gear every single year. So um, I don't know if I can speak to whether or not we've had any market research um, since I don't know that. However, I can say that there is, like we're filling a market need, you know, for integration focused trade events um, because we're seeing the rise of hybrid workflows and resimercial. We, we uh, have published a lot of articles about resimercial applications. We've seen a lot of case studies in that. So we're seeing that market. We're seeing integrators um, having that peaked interest in that. And so we're filling that market need. Um, and I want to add, like, at the Commercial Integrator Expo, there will be those education sessions, you know, um, that will provide those agnostic sessions about the resimercial spaces that are coming up and coming um, in these coming years. So that's what I can say. I, I, you know, Tim, you brought up the point, maybe it's not for these commercial integrators like, well, I'm going to go to that now. But your point about residential integrators that want to explore, maybe they've been dabbling in it. It's a way for them to, without having to go to Orlando or Vegas to the Infocom, while they're already at this, the Resi show they go to every year, they can explore, they can learn. Uh, and and uh, so so for that, I guess I see some some good. Then they're going to wind up probably graduating, as it were, and begin going to Infocom every year, right? I mean, if they're going to get into the into it on a bigger level, because you're never going to get all of those vendors at this expo, you know, uh, this it's just way too big to get all of those vendors. So, but but it's an interesting dabble, I suppose, in that regard. I made the comment to somebody this week at at, at CD Expo, and we were chatting about the the home office, right? And, and this is not to disparage any of, of the traditional residential um, manufacturers, but, but there is um, there are certain things that the commercial, let's say, signal processing companies, uh, they just tend to be more robust because they have to be, right? Because they're, they're on 24-7. Absolutely, right? Um, and I think that there is, there's going to come a point in time where those residential dealers that are putting in home offices are going to be asked for those more robust, more, um, more enterprise features. And either the residential manufacturers are going to have to come to bat or suddenly you've got, you know, a, a swath of um, residential dealers suddenly becoming a, a dealer for a traditional um, a, a traditional commercial. Uh, well, yeah, you'll get the QSDs and the Shores creating these residential devices that are downscale version of these big devices for for home. You know, in the same. Uh, what about the, the the thought that you know you see and everything along with it is eating up? Is you know the the AV market commercial especially? So that might be something. Not doing any kind of research, market research. That might be something that right now. Every single manufacturer has a UC product. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's this, I don't want to say more excitement, but there's more traffic on, on that particular uh, vertical. So that might be something that could be bought into that, you know, the, the expo there that can spice things up or maybe 
there's some things that it's uh I mean that might be that might be a thought without really knowing a lot about it. Alrighty. Uh last article actually comes from Amala and Commercial Enigger. The diversity transformation has begun. Uh, Amala was uh, speaking with a number of folks, DEI consultants, NSCA, uh, talking about um, putting putting a DEI focus on um, uh, the industry. And, and just so uh, I don't get yelled at by Bradford Ben, DEI stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Uh, and as Amala, you say it's more than just a buzzword. So let's start with you. Um, as an industry, what can we do uh, to to focus on this and, and bring this more? Uh, to the forefront. Yeah, so I've always um, been an advocate for DEI myself, um, being an international woman. Uh, and so coming into the industry, the one thing I did realize, one of my very first articles was about the women in AV and what we, what I realized from having spoken to such amazing women in the industry is that it's me, it's more than just, you know, having panel discussions. It's more than, you know, uh, having that um, tag of DEI on certain um, social media posts or um, in trade show events and certainly those amplify but what are they amplifying they're amplifying the efforts and that's where we have to really focus on it's about trying to bring about a change trying to implement strategies that provide an inclusive environment for everybody um, in the industry and this is where the AV industry has been making strides, but there still needs, uh, there's still lots to be done. And one of the good things about the NSCA um, DEI Action Council is that they're trying to do this. Um, so they're trying, they have partnered up with Living HR, which is an, actually an external agency um, that has dealt with other companies and other industries, but they're now venturing into the AV industry and they're providing these resources and they're providing sessions. They're, coming into the workplace, they're conducting surveys and helping companies realize where they stand in terms of diversity and inclusion and how they can help. Very cool. Paul, uh, asking the same question, how do, how do we facilitate kind of the, the DA, not, not kind of, how do we facilitate uh, the, the Oh DA yeah, transition? this is tough, tough for me. I, I'm pretty cynical by nature and I, I've, you know, kind of my first thought is always, we need fewer councils and we need more candidates, right? Like mm -hmm. we've tried so hard to hire diverse here, but there's never the candidates, right? So these these councils and, and uh, uh, incentives, those resources that they can go out and, and educate people about our industry. I think we talked about this, maybe even in the last, a, a, a portion of this in the last time I was on, how it's getting the, the candidates, you know, um, and we struggle and, and there's and i have such a passion for for diversity that i've made two missteps hiring uh once on ethnicity once on gender uh to give a benefit of the doubt when i believe the better candidate was a basic white dude as usual that, that's you know i'm like i, just, I don't need another middle-aged white dude here i hire on diversity only two months later to have it flop because the the skill wasn't there the talent wasn't there and out of the entire search for the talent, you know, I get 98 white dudes and, and two or three uh, diverse candidates, which I, I desperately wish it could be different. So I, I, I we try so hard, but the but the interest, um, you know, is, is we need the candidates. I think we need the candidates now, but that could exactly be and that may be the exact job. Right. Uh, and and, and uh, it's getting the interest. You know, there's been so many 
um, you know, fantastic uh, uh, people in the industry um, that that have that have made steps. I mean, you got your Corey Schaefer on the uh, that have done so much for the women that have. She's yep. a rock star, you know, and just finally moved on. But uh, but uh, and we have our you know our, our favorite. Yeah, we have a woman's like our, everybody's favorite top person here at Jetbuilt. But uh, well, maybe I'm the top person. But after after me, maybe. But but point is, uh, um, uh, not favorite person though. Only only by by job title. But uh, my point is. But 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 we just need the candidates, and it's just it's it's always sad. And I always set out. We just hired two more people this week, and they both wound up being white men again. You know, and it, it saddens me. And it was a woman that hired them, and she tried her best to get as diverse as we can, but we couldn't get the talent. Now, of course, everybody's having trouble with talent in 2022, right? Across every industry, just talent in general is hard to get uh, with the job market being so tight, which is so bizarre in the economic climate we're in. But uh, but I just hope, and again, I know I'm, I'm robbing the floor here, but I just hope we can get talent, we can get candidates, you know, so that we can be more diverse. But it's got to start with the interest from those candidates into the industry. Yesterday, um, ironically, there was a report in AV Magazine about a trade show in, uh, in Europe that got caught up in some sort of sexual harassment claim. And they, at that point, are going to hire a, a person to to. to to facilitate that role, just to make sure sometimes people need to be reminded um, of the fact that, you know, this is, we're not living in a mad men TV show society. So we really have to be careful. And it's just some sort of, a lot of times, unconscious bias, right? So there's this unconscious bias by some some men, and, and not just white men, but all men in this industry with regards to saying, um, well, women aren't good in tech. Well, just ask our friend Charmaine. Charmaine, how 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 good is she? You know, she's she's one of the top people in, you know, in the industry, and she's a woman. My organization, Nine Eleven Museum, um, the outgoing CEO is a is a woman. The incoming CEO is a woman. In fact, the the uh, the head of IT is a woman. It it just it sometimes now the question becomes when you put a job out. Then I've been in that position when you put uh, a position out. In, in on the internet or wherever you give it to recruiters, you just get an inundation of male candidates. Um, and I, I really look through them. They're all typically the same. And I look through them and I'm, I'm looking for for a woman in that situation. And sometimes when I look through, through the resume, unfortunately, it's just not a good fit. And at the end of the day, that's really what it matters. Is that person a good fit? We're not going to try to shoehorn someone into a role that they're just not qualified for because they're just, it's just going to be a a, a bad scenario. Um, you know, our organization, as far as the, you know, um, Latinos and, and people of color, um, our AV team is all people of color. It's headed up by me. I have two Latinos and a, and a, and a black gentleman that, that works for us. So when I started in the industry three decades ago or so, um, for the most part, in many teams, I was the only person of color. Now, that's a totally different story in 2022. You know, the AV industry is a, you know, for the most part, a, a ticket to the middle class for a lot of people. And it's a ticket to the middle class in which you do not necessarily need a college degree. And that appeals to a lot of people. Um, and, and that is something that we, we need to keep open to everyone. Um, people of color and women have different perspective on certain things, different um, fresh eyes, fresh thought that we need to uh, take it, take it, take it here, take it, uh, take heed of. It's it's an important thing. Why? It's a reason why Google and and Amazon are, are proponents of the HB1 visa. 
um, because it's not only bringing talent from other countries, but it's also bringing diversity of thought. And that is a huge factor that, that really goes um, unmentioned in a lot of these scenarios. I just wanted to add like two points because both of them come back to the education factor. You're talking about talent pool and you're talking about diversity of thought and they all come back to the education factor. Now, the AV industry is a bubble. When I joined, I had no idea of what the AV industry is. And most people, everybody that I've spoken to have that same story, right? They stumbled upon AV, they discovered AV accident. And that's- No where... one's in this industry on purpose. We're all former DJs. We're all former musicians. We're all people that just stumble there. Oh, wait a minute. What's this AV thing? I can actually make some money doing this. And again, like I said, it's a ticket to the middle class for a lot of us. So you're exactly right. Exactly. So that's where, you know, when companies take that initiative to reach colleges, to produce programs, you know, not just like hiring, but internship programs or education programs that talk about what the AV industry is about, you know, and you get to... um the black colleges, I think there are some companies who are doing that of getting women in STEM, you know, uh, sponsoring those kind of scholarships. That's when you're going to see that talent pool open up because you're, op- you're, you're popping that bubble, essentially. And that's where VIXA is very important in this because it's their, I wouldn't say their job or responsibility, but just to put, to, to put the AV, um, you know, out there. We're out there. Just like, hey, this might be, uh, you're, you're tech savvy, wherever you are, young man, this might be a, a career path for you. And uh, most people, like I mentioned before, are not thinking about AV when you go to an elementary school, unless the kid's father is an AV professional, they're not looking, they're not looking to AV. Um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, a place where, you know, failed DJs and musicians live. Mm-hmm. Um, although some of us are not so failed, but and, and sometimes you're, you're, you're failed on both, both of those. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you guys. Uh, that will do it. I, 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 good long conversation on this, but, uh, I, I think it's fantastic. Check out Amala's uh, article. Mitchell will put a, a link to it. Uh, so thank you all so much. Amala. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, how can people connect with you or a commercial integrator? Um, yeah, you can reach out to me on Twitter or on LinkedIn uh, at my name, Amala Reddy. That's A-M-A-L-A-R-E-D-D-I-E. All right. Mr. Dexter, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or JetBuilt? Yeah, LinkedIn, uh, Paul Dexter, uh, maybe Jet Dexter, I forget, but one or the other. Uh, but you search JetBuilt, we're pretty easy to find. You can find me there, JetBuilt.com, J-E-T-B-U-I-L-T.com. All right. Mr. Moore, thank you, sir. Pleasure to have you. you. Uh, Finally getting you on. Uh, How do people connect with you, sir? LinkedIn, Fernando Moore. So don't do the Twitters. All right. Very good. Probably best, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) It can can suck you in there, dude. Um, For uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on the Twitters, uh, but go by the website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. I mentioned the fact that we just got back from Cedia Expo, so you can check out all the videos there. Uh, probably by the end of this week when this uh, lands, so you can check that out. Uh, also, we will be heading to DSE is our next show, Digital Signage uh, Experience there in Vegas in November. So all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Oh, 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 oh.